0: Hi, this is Sam Chamberlain, and welcome to Things to Ponder, the sermon podcast from St. Mary's United Church of Christ in Silver Run, Maryland. Follow along with St. Mary's at stmarysucc.org or on Facebook and Instagram. Wishing you peace and good, my friends. And by way of a little bit of an introduction to the sermon today, today is a special day not only because it's Trinity Sunday, but today is one of those days that we really have been excited about testing out this online format. Of course, this is a week that a lot of people decide to go away, and so I haven't yet logged in. I'm behaving myself, not on my phone in the middle of the church, but I'm hoping you know, that many of us who decide to go away on weekends such as this can still find a way to participate in our worship in real time, even as they are away today. But also one of the things that we want to experiment with is what is it how how can we use this to increase and to expand the community of love that we talked about at the beginning of this? How is it that maybe new opportunities are available to have things happen such as bringing in somebody else to speak that we don't actually have to put them on a plane to get them here? What if I have to be somewhere and maybe I'm halfway across the country? Is it possible for me to still be able to preach on any given Sunday even if I'm halfway across the country? And the answer is yes. We've got to figure that out a little bit. Today gives us an opportunity to do precisely that. As I said to the worship ministry team the other day, I said, today's one of those opportunities for us to mess some stuff up and to learn some stuff, so I am excited. Because the Central Atlantic Conference of the United Church of Christ has been doing a very good job, an excellent job of trying to support her congregations and her ministers in the midst of the pandemic, saying, all that you all have to go through is a lot. Let us help on occasion. And so for this particular weekend, they produced an entire worship service that churches across our conference could use to honor and to celebrate Trinity Sunday. I said, well, we're not going to use the whole thing, but maybe we can try out the sermon this week. And so I'm excited because the sermon is excellent, and it comes from one of our very best preachers in the conference, the Reverend Ruth Dixon Harvey, pastor at United Church of Christ of Toms River, New Jersey and she comes and she will be coming to us and bringing us a message via online and via our screens today and we're going to try this out. Okay, and it's a wonderful opportunity to get a very excellent preacher inside our doors when she otherwise would be tied up on a Sunday morning and it would be more difficult to have guest preachers like her be with us. And so I'm going to come down off of the pulpit. I'm excited to absorb the sermon like you all do for a little bit and so I invite you to uh, to enjoy and to hear the words of the Reverend Harvey
1: Soren Kierkegaard tells a parable of a community of ducks roddling off to duck church to hear the duck preacher. The duck preacher spoke eloquently of how God had given the ducks wings with which to fly. With these wings, there was nowhere that the ducks could not go. There was no God-given task the ducks could not accomplish. With those wings, they could soar into the presence of God, the creator. Quacks of amen were heard throughout the duck congregation. At the conclusion of the service, the ducks left, commenting on what a wonderful message they had heard as they waddled back home. Too often, would-be worshipers waddle away from the worship just as they waddled in. I'm challenged, unchanged. Perhaps it's because we are creatures of habit. Week after week, we sit in the same place, in the same pew, follow a order of service that we know by heart, listen to a sermon, which we assume is intended primarily for someone else. Occasionally though, something happens, unplanned, unrehearsed, uncontrollable. In the midst of the worship service, worship happens. Someone's heart opens to a deeper awareness of the grandeur of God through the majesty of the music or the spoken word and new commitments are born. Someone recognizes his or her life as the scripture lesson is being read and new, um, a new believer is born. Someone hears as if for the first time about the forgiving love of Jesus and new hope is born within them. We may wonder why such happenings occur in their church, but not in our church. Or maybe why does it happen to that person, but not to us? But the experience has taught us that these events can't be explained, only described. Now, the central character in this week's text is Isaiah, whose call to prophetic ministry came during an annual worship celebration. For him, the encounter with God was so profound that afterward he never saw himself or his people in the same way again. To Isaiah, it seemed that the entire building shook with the presence of God. Did anyone else share this experience? Did this worship affect how they saw themselves or how they saw God? And how can more than one person hear the same music, same prayers, same sermon, and one be utterly transformed and everybody else waddle out the church unmoved. What makes this worship service so profound for one and so routine for others? The text suggests that God became radically present. The word radical here means awesome as the event transcends the ordinary in every aspect. Occasionally we may hear it said that as Christians we are called to a radical discipleship or radical obedience to Jesus Christ. That is, as we, as believers, we are called to live lives different from the world's culture by seriously and intentionally following the ethics of Jesus. Therefore, to speak of God as a radical presence is not to deny that God is everywhere present, but rather to describe those occasions when the reality of God's presence bursts into an individual's consciousness in an unusually powerful way. Let me say this like this. When God is radically present, God bursts into the situation. Let's say it is in a worship service. You begin to hear things in a way you've never heard them. The music touches you in a way it never has. What's being said touches you in a way in which you've never heard it before. This is the radical presence of God is when you feel like the roof of the church is going to open and the whole host of heaven is going to descend. That's the radical presence of God the radical presence of god cannot be controlled or programmed it can only be experienced and this experience can come to us anywhere and at any time for isaiah it happened in the temple but god does not limit holy moments to holy spaces for moses god's radical presence was discovered in the wilderness on the backside of a mountain when he found the burning bush for Saul it was on a bounty hunting excursion to Damascus when he was knocked off the ass and he heard the voice asking him Saul Saul what are you doing This was a radical presence of God, and the most radical experience of God's presence is the incarnation which begins in a stable and ends at the death between two criminals. We must understand that the radical presence of God is found not only in the extraordinary but in the ordinary as well. God can be as profoundly present in the sunset as in the place of worship. God can reveal the divine self in a concert hall as vividly as in a moment of prayer. More importantly than where we are is our willingness to see God in what is going on around us, going on in a worship service, in a Bible study, in a prayer meeting. Isaiah was engaged in an ordinary service of worship, seeing and hearing the same things as everyone else. When God broke through the ordinary to reveal the divine self as radically present. Thus, Isaiah went from experiencing worship to experiencing God in worship. It is difficult for us to achieve such awareness as we are a society which celebrates the sensational and the spectacular. If an event is not filled with more glitz and glamor than what came before, then there is always going to be disappointment. Nowhere is this more seen than in Hollywood, where each succeeding production has to have bigger and better pyrotechniques and special effects than its predecessor. No one would have continued to go to the movies and put money down to see the Iron Man series if all that was offered was the same scenario the same villain, and the same explosions. It had to be new. It had to be original. It had to be bigger. It had to be better each time to keep our attention. This attitude unfortunately infects the church as well. It is reflected in our architecture, church programs and annual celebrations. We tried to make each worship performance, and yes, I said performance, because unfortunately we have had to put some oomph into our worship services to keep the attention of the people sometimes. But it should not be a performance, it should be exactly that, worship. Because when we do worship, we don't have to worry about drama. All we have to worry about is how the people are going to feel when they have come in contact, when they have been touched, by God, but I have digressed. Let me go back and say, we try to make each worship performance more dramatic than the last as though through our efforts, the efforts of the musicians and, and, and the choir and the deacons and the preacher can actually command the radical presence of God. Beloved, it's not going to happen. Unfortunately, we are consciously or unconsciously educating an entire generation of believers to waddle, not fly. We teach them to waddle when we teach them that God is to be experienced only in the ornate and the spectacular. Guess what? God shows up when God gets ready. And in teaching people how to waddle. We overlook the possibility that in the ordinary, God can be radically present and that God's radical presence can once again, take over the situation and that true worship happens. True worship happens when we let go and let God take care of the situation. True worship, happens when we stop seeing the barriers that can stop us and start seeing the possibilities that God gives to us. God said that he would remove the stumbling block. So if God told you that the stumbling block is going to be removed, then keep moving forward. But again, I digress. Worship happens when the grace of God meets human inadequacy. The radical presence of God caused Isaiah to recognize, perhaps for the first time, the spiritual shortcomings of his Judaite fellows and himself. Under King Uzziah, The nation of Judah had experienced an almost unprecedented period of peace and prosperity. Life was good. The economy was robust. The polls showed high consumer confidence and all of the economic indicators pointed to more of the same. Everyone was soaring high, or so they thought. What they missed was that although they were doing good, They could have been doing better had they consulted God. It's easy to see why Isaiah's message was ignored. Who wants to listen to someone tell them that they need to depend upon God when they believe that everything good that is happening and has happened to them was because of their own efforts and not God's blessings? Let me say that again. Who wants to listen to someone tell them that they need to depend on God when they believe that everything good that is happening and that has happened was because of their efforts and not because of God's blessings? Maybe this is why we experience ineffective worship services too. We are content with our small portion of the world and even the condition of our churches. Nothing needs to change. We only need God to come in and, you know, clean up around the edges of our lives. And we certainly don't need or want God's radical presence to reveal the inadequacies of our neatly manicured existence. This is because we only want to meet God on our own terms, and God does not do that. Can you imagine the spiritual satisfaction of Isaiah and his fellow priests as they believed they had captured the essence of God in their religious ceremony? However, as Isaiah soon learned, when one confronts the radical presence of God, All claims of wisdom, goodness, and self-sufficiency melts away, and one is left wishing for a pair of seraph wings to hide one's nakedness. Isn't this the message of the parable of the Pharisee and the publican? Remember, one speaks of how righteous he is but ends up talking to himself while the other is met with the radical presence of God because he knew that it was only in the presence of the most holy that mercy is, was, and always will be his only hope. Let me say it again. When we come humbly before God, and fess up to what we have or have not done, God will meet us. God knows the desires of our heart. God knows the hope that we have for a better day. So when we come understanding that we're not running this, God meets us where we are. Rest assured, God does not reveal the divine presence simply to overwhelm us or to make us feel worthless. Rather, God's presence is to remind us of God's empowering grace that meets and transforms our awareness, our awareness of personal inadequacy. As soon as Isaiah confessed his and his generations uncleanliness scripture says a hot coal was placed upon his lips to symbolize the justice and the compassion of god to purify him and render him fit for service which leads us to understand that that only because of his confession was god able to use him it is important to note that god's question Whom shall I send and who will go for us was not directed to Isaiah, but rather to the attending seraphim. Isaiah simply overheard the question and immediately stepped forward. One would say or think that we should question his sanity. After all, God didn't say where the whom was was going or what the task was. But gratitude prompted Isaiah's response. Gratitude for God's grace, forgiveness of sins, experiencing God's presence unlike anything he'd ever known before, and gratitude that prompts a positive response to God's actions, which causes worship to happen. Oftentimes, we misuse the terms law and grace in our conversation of the Old and New Testament. Overemphasis of these terms leads to an unfortunate and inaccurate view of their use. An equally valid way of viewing all of the scriptures could be summed up in the terms call and response or grace and gratitude as all of God's actions are movements of grace as many of God's actions are called calls require a response sometimes our response is to ignore God's call or to decline the invitation of grace more often our response is one of active obedience born out of the sense of gratitude In gratitude, the Hebrew people were obedient to the law as their response to God's grace in choosing them. In gratitude, the Christian community is obedient to the teachings of Jesus as their response to God's saving grace. In gratitude, Isaiah accepted God's call to represent the divine one to Judah in response to God's cleansing grace. Tony Campolo tells the story of a young woman named Nancy, who gratefully responded to God's movement of grace. Although Nancy is confined to a wheelchair, she has an extraordinary ministry. Every week in the personal section of her local newspaper, she runs an ad that reads, if you are lonely or have a problem, Call me. I am in a wheelchair and I seldom get out. We can share our problems with each other. I'd love to talk. She spends much of her day on the telephone talking with the more than 30 lonely and discouraged people who call her each week. When Campolo asked how she came to be confined to a wheelchair, Nancy revealed that she had tried to commit suicide by jumping from the balcony of her apartment. However, instead of dying, she ended up in a hospital room paralyzed from the waist down. One night in the hospital, she said Jesus came to her and very clearly said, you have had a healthy body and a crippled spirit. From this day on, you will have a crippled body, but you will have a healthy spirit. She said, I gave my life to Jesus that night in that hospital room. And I knew that if I kept my spirit healthy, it would mean that I would be of help to other people. And so I do. No one is touched by God. Who is touched by God? can remain idle. No one who has experienced the grace of God can remain silent. No one who hears in their hearts the divine call for service can do anything less than respond with gratitude. Here I am, send me. And in moments like this, worship happens. And the quacks of amen became the shouts of the ducks who heard and answered the call and soared high into the heavens to meet God as the children of God.